My name is Ben Greenfield, and on this episode of the Ben Greenfield Life Podcast. Women are the most amazing entrepreneurs, and they take more risks on behalf of the, on behalf of the family, because they're the ones that are, are tasked with raising up the children. And this, the, the biblical empowered worldview brings husbands and wives together as they see themselves as how God sees them to be to each other, not having been forced together through broken societal norms. And by the way, World Vision never imposes Western norms on other uh, cultures. World Vision's focus is to help bring out the best norms of that culture for itself. Right. And so when you empower women... You, it's statistically proven that as women advance in a culture, so the country goes, yeah. so the country advances. So women become the, the greatest entrepreneurs and, and income generators, and the, their husbands see them as, wow, you are an equal partner in this. It's not all on me. You're not a possession that's an extra mouth to feed, you're actually a partner. And they see themselves as God sees themselves to be to each other. Faith, family, fitness, health, performance, nutrition, longevity, ancestral living, biohacking, and a whole lot more. Welcome to the show. If you're in your 30s or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells. And the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic. Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel in just months. And you only use it twice a month, six capsules twice a month. Super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month, nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try, try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, Back by a 100-day money-back guarantee and that code BENSENA will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash BENSENA. Man, let me tell you a little bit about this episode. It was fantastic. I don't talk about this a lot on the podcast, but the proceeds of the money that we bring in through Ben Greenfield Life goes to support this foundation called World Vision. World Vision has been around since the 50s. It's a relief and development organization, one of the largest in the U.S. actually. And they were founded back in the 50s by this young American evangelist minister, a Christian minister who the Youth for Christ missionary movement had sent to China and Korea in the late 40s. And uh, he came back and he started World Vision because while he was overseas, he was moved by this one little girl and wanted to somehow guarantee that she would be provided with some kind of like a monthly stipend to be able to provide for her and care for her. I read the story of their president, Rich Stearns, uh, who was their president back in 2017, I think, was so moved by his book called Hole in the Gospel that we adopted like a distance adoption, this little Ethiopian girl named Madia Meet, and we sent her cards and letters and gifts each month as the Greenfield family. But then also with Ben Greenfield Life, what I wanted to do was really support World Vision, which initially began focusing on just orphans and children back there in the 50s. But now they do food, clothing, medical care. And as you're about to hear in this episode, a huge amount of clean water worldwide for shockingly low cost. And that 
is what we talk about in this podcast. We had just finished, literally right before we started recording, going on a 6K walk for water. My traps were sore for like two days afterwards because I was probably too egotistical and put way too much water in my buckets. But we huffed these buckets from a creek in Linden, Washington, all the way back to a home where me and all the other Ben Greenfield Life employees were staying at. Randy and Mike, my guests on today's show, of course, joined us for that that bucket carry called the walk for water. So first of all, everything that you're going to hear today is at bengreenfieldlife.com slash worldvisionpodcast, bengreenfieldlife.com slash worldvisionpodcast. Thank you for supporting the podcast because through our donations to World Vision, we are helping a lot of people and we're right now really focusing on good, clean water to a lot of third world countries that could really use clean water it's shocking what you're going to hear in this podcast about their lack of access to it. My guests are Mike Gillespie, Michael Gillespie, if I can spit that out, Mike Gillespie. He's the senior director of corporate engagement at World Vision. Basically, he is the guy who oversees the partnership between Ben Greenfield Life and World Vision. My other guest on today's show is Randy Hack, who I actually met out at my house when he was passing through the area after he had found out that we were supporting this little girl in Ethiopia. He came by and visited with me about other things that we could do. That led to Ben Greenfield Life and also to Keon uh, supporting the philanthropic goals of World Vision. Randy has spent 10 years in global humanitarian resource generation uh, before that. He worked in the U.S. and Canadian agriculture sectors, and now he lives in Seattle. So uh, Randy's the guy I've talked to the most about World Vision. He swings by Spokane, hangs out every once in a while when he's through. Mike Gillespie uh, and him were over for dinner at my house a couple of months ago. They're fantastic guys. They really have a heart for, for orphans and for children and for families and for farmers and for all the people who World Vision is supporting. So head to bengreenfieldlife.com slash Vision podcast for the show notes bengreenfieldlife.com slash world vision podcast you guys is traps as tired as mine right now yeah feeling right it. right here i'm feeling it a little yeah. little grip a little neck <laughs> tell tell me about why it is that i just basically like suffered for three what is it 3.4 miles 3.2 miles mm-hmm. i lost track with two giant buckets of water what's the story behind this thing well, Ben, because that is, you did that because that is what over 700 million people have to do every day. And not just once a day like we did on a nice sidewalk. They have to do multiple times a day. Walk, walking with big containers yep. to a body of water, collecting water, and transporting that back by foot. Exactly. Because they have no access to water, but... What they're doing is collecting water that, un- unlike us, we didn't drink it. We didn't have to drink it or bathe in it or cook with it. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. I mean, that water wasn't that nasty. It was like downtown Linden, Washington. I probably could have made it through and had like half a chance of the the old Giardia <laughs> or something else. But you know, regardless of whether or not we, we drank it, it, I was thinking as I was carrying this bucket for the, this Walk for Water fundraiser that we did, and, and I want to hear a little bit more about how this, this whole walk came to be, but the whole time I was walking, I was thinking, gosh, couldn't, couldn't somebody have figured out how to like lay down pipes or something like that? By now? Like, I was thinking if I had to walk this far every day for water, I would just start to take a you know, PVC pipe with me each day and start to lay down a track back to my village or my house with water. So why is it that, that so many people are still having to walk so far to get water? Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, so it's all about, you know, as far as the poverty scale. They are, you know, striving every day to just survive. And when you say they, so, who are we talking about? So people in communities and in, de- in the developing world, you know, name a country. It could be uh, Niger, it could be Honduras, it could be Zambia. But they basically are having a hard time surviving. So they don't have the luxury to be able to be able to buy PVC pipe. You know, the containers that we were carrying, a lot of times it's what they can find. So it may be a, you know, a used two gallon or two liter bottle. That may be all they have. So that anything, anything that holds water. Anything that holds water that they can get to take as many trips as you can take. And and so if one person, let's say in one of these countries that you named, is waking up in the morning and having to go get water, is that for their family? Is that for a whole village? Or how does it actually work? 
Yeah, that's per family. And usually it's the girls and the women that are tasked with this, not the, not the men and boys. So the girls and the, and the mothers and the women, they're, doing, they're spending all day doing this. So if you're a girl who's seven years old, eight years old, ten years old, and you're doing this all day, what are you not doing? You're not in school. You're not learning. That's a good point. If you're and I'm assuming the men aren't just like back at home watching the soccer game. Like they're they're out working in the fields exactly. or doing something that, that exactly. dictates the women have to go collect the water. Exactly. And so there's not a lot of actual progressive empowerment occurring from an educational or or a, or any type of developmental standpoint. Correct. Their basic goal that day is one thing: to survive. And your early uh, your early question about why don't they you know purchase some PVC piping and all these things that we would be thinking in our mindset. These families are making, on average, less than $2 a day. So these are the most, the poorest, it's called extreme poverty uh, families that the World Bank um, defines as those living under $2.15 per day. So the meager amount that they make is going into food, basics to, for survival. What kind of stuff do they eat? Like in, in a situ- like in a place that has that much poverty, that they have to walk that far for water, what's the food like? It's not what you and I would want to eat. Usually they have what would call, and most of the world's poor, um, contrary to what most of us would think, the majority of the world's poor live in rural areas, remote areas. They're not in the cities where there's some degree of services and opportunities. These are people that are far removed, remote, and they've been forced out there on the fringes over decades and millennia by being the weakest and the, and the outcast. And that's where they've grown from generations of generations of family. So they're living off the land. They're uh, uh, trying to find, eke out whatever meager existence they can, usually in a small holder plot of land, maybe growing something like what we call corn here in the U.S. And they might be able to have one meal a day during, during the good season. During the dry season, they, might, they probably don't eat every day. Have you ever gone back to one of these places and, and lived with them or seen this firsthand? Yes, definitely. Tell me um, about that. I'll let you want to take that yeah. first. So my, most of my perspective has been in Honduras. And so these families, um, like Randy said, they are living off the land. So the very small plot of land, they don't own a big area. So it could be as big as this gazebo. So they maybe have, you know, eight or 10 corn plants, maybe a potato plant, maybe a couple tomato plants, depending on the area that they're at. But it's all for their own consumption. And they are, you know, eating that type of thing. There's also, they have some money, you know, at $2, you know, a day, they have some money. So they're also buying and procuring like beans and rice. And that, but they are using those commodities and stretching them immensely so they, they can last because they're only getting usually one meal a day. Who came up with the idea of doing this, this walk to raise money and awareness to somehow get these people water? Yeah. So we've, we've kind of branded it as the 6K. So six kilometers is 3.75 miles. Okay. And that's in Africa, that's the average distance that typically a woman and children go to make one trip to be able to get the water from their dirty water source. And that's once a day? That's multiple times a day. So it's, it's again, the human consumption for that family. So usually once is not enough. Um, two, three, sometimes four times uh, they are going on that trek. And Jeez. that trek is, we went on sidewalks today. Yeah. Wasn't yeah, too it was pretty comfortable. We were walking past like ice cream shops and right. windmill coffee, and yeah, right. it, was, it was pretty posh. It was pretty nice. Yeah, they are on dirt paths. They are climbing over like a fence. If there's, you know, they're going across somebody else's property, there may be a fence to keep the cattle in. They are going up and down hills. Uh, there's predators. There are, you know, livestock. There's all kinds of different uh, dynamics that. We didn't experience any of that. What about crime? How big of an issue is that on these walks? It's a big issue. Mike alluded to uh, predators. There's the four-legged ones and the two-legged ones. And the two-legged predators are often the worst. And as I mentioned... I'm assuming the, you're not talking about kangaroos. Exactly. I'm not talking about kangaroos uh, or monkeys. 
so this is really the problem that, that the majority of uh, tasked with doing this are young girls and, and, and single women. And so there's a lot of, of violence that occurs on these, these trips and, and they are preyed upon. Have you guys heard about that new movie, The Sound of Freedom, about yes. sex slavery? Has, yes. Do you think that's helped at all, bring awareness? Or what, what are your thoughts on that film? I haven't seen the movie yet, but that is a, something that World Vision is a big part of what we address. It's, it's, uh, it's protection for uh, children and families, especially for women and girls. I want to hear more about that. I don't know if that's part of the, the Thrive program or one of these other initiatives that you guys have. So this, this Walk for Water, it's, it was invented by World Vision? Yes. As a 6K that, that occurs at different places around the U.S. primarily? Mm-hmm. We, uh, we kind of branded it on World Water Day, which is May 20th. So every May 20th, it's the... Uh, combination of being able to bring awareness to the over 700 million people that don't have clean water that we want to be able to deliver clean water to. But like we're doing as a corporation with Ben Greenfield Life, you can do it at any time. You can do it as a retreat. You can do it as a a workplace event. Many companies we're talking to, now that they're getting back into the office or at least hybrid, there's been that disconnect that they haven't seen everybody since COVID. So they're looking at what can we do that's meaningful, that makes a difference, but that's also kind of build the team back, you know, be able to have that, you know, what do we spend? Probably an hour walking, 45 minutes or so. Yeah. It was, it was like about a two hour event start to finish. Yeah. So you have that time to be able to reconnect. Yeah. Um, So that can be done at any point during the year. Yeah, and give each other back rubs afterwards for the sorts. Exactly. Right? Uh, so, so the actual funds being raised for this, what's that look like? How do, how much money gets raised, and how is it that those funds are used? I'm just curious, like how much money it actually takes to help someone in a poor area, like you've described, not have to walk that far for water. So, how much money is needed for that? And and I assume you're not building a bunch of like. PVC piping to the water, and there's there's more of like a well digging component or something like that going on. Yeah. So to answer your first question, the how much maybe to simplify it to make it personal, maybe if I hear you right, how much does it cost to bring clean water to one individual, and not just uh, to give someone a bottle of water today, but ongoing, free flowing clean water indefinitely for life? And the answer, it's a ridiculously low fifty dollars. So your crew that's, that that's not for a year. That's for someone's life. entire life, life. You would just need to raise $50. Exactly. So when we got ice creams after our walk, before we yeah. came back to refresh ourselves, we spent more than $50 on that ice cream cone for, for our team. So that... You just made a lot of people feel really <laughs> guilty just now. <laughs> well, really, it's good to personalize. Like, what is what? what do I... What do I consume with $50, right? Yeah. And uh, living in Seattle, that won't even buy dinner for my wife and I for one night. Right. That is bringing clean water. And it's not just clean water. That's unleashing life for one person for the entirety of their lives. So that's on the personal level, on the personal uh, front. Globally, World Vision in the next eight years is, is looking at raising $1 billion just for the clean water work to bring uh, clean water to 50 million people. Now, when you say clean water, when people are actually walking this distance to get water, I don't know if you were able to take a look at it when either of you guys were back there, but I'm curious what kind of water people are getting right now before they get this clean water. Yeah. So the water sources are, they would make your stomach turn and they literally make their stomachs turn. So yes. there's a lot of you know, stomach issues. So the water, it can have, you know, whatever that stream or water hole is. So there is mildew in that. There is contaminants in that water. A lot of times we're talking open ranges. So the animals are drinking from that, also defecating in that water. So it's nasty. You know, it looks nasty, but it's probably even worse than it actually looks. Do they have any, like, makeshift filtration systems back on the home front that they're using on this stuff? Mike and I visited a community in Honduras that was collecting water. We went down to the river where they were collecting water, a free-flowing, robust river that was, if you look at it, it's brown in color. And we were downstream from sugarcane plantations. 
So the pesticides were coming off of it. The waste from the animals, from the workers, were coming off down the river. And what this community does in an attempt to filter, they will go right next to the water, not in the water, but right next where there's sand. They'll dig into the sand and collect the water out of the, the brown water out of the sand, thinking the sand might have some level of filtration. Right. That's their answer, knowing that it's not the answer. But that's the best they can do. Are you guys able to provide, uh, I think even on the walk, you mentioned to me like there's some kind of a tablet you can drop in this water. Are you guys able to do anything like that as well to provide people with with a way to clean the water they're already getting? For temporary emergency scenarios, when we're going into into a community, let's just say some natural disaster has just occurred. And it's, it's not a long-term partnership uh, solution. These people need clean water, like, right today because of some catastrophe. Then through our partnership with Procter & Gamble, uh, they have developed a miracle um, uh, treatment that will actually uh, clarify and purify clean water rather almost instantaneously. But it's only a temporary solution because this does have a cost. No, the guy, the guy that wrote this book that I have right here, we, we have a bunch of these around here, this He Walks Among Us, Encounters with Christ in a Broken World. It's like these little stories, but the author is Rich Stearns. And I know this name because I think I got it from the library. This would have been like probably 11 or 12 years ago. I think it was called um, Hole in the Gospel. And the idea behind this book was like in America, for example, Christians, you know, go to church and have nice potlucks and sing pretty songs and go to Sunday school. Yet there's there's not as much being done as could be being done to help the kind of people that we're talking about right now. And then later on, I, I enjoyed that book so much. I read the book that he wrote after that called Unfinished Business, which is kind of like the same idea. Like if you really truly are living and breathing the gospel, the core message of that, or at least a big part of the core message of that is to love your neighbor as yourself and to actually help people. And that really got me thinking. And so I looked into Rich and found out that he was involved with this company that you guys have in your church right now that you're obviously part of, World Vision. And that's when originally I I reached out to some of the people with my company, Keon, to start to take some of the, the money off of supplement sales and funnel that towards World Vision to start to give. And now we're doing things at Ben Greenfield Life, like taking proceeds from, for example, the Spiritual Disciplines Journal and trying to to provide more funds to help these people. But when I first met, I think it was with you, Randy, we went on a hike. You kind of blew my mind about some stuff that you were doing that went and beyond just water. And I was barefoot. We were hiking our bare feet. That's right. You were barefoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was impressed. Uh, and so um, I think you called it the, the Thrive Program that you guys do, and it goes way beyond water. Can you tell me about that and and why you saw a need for that? Yeah, so World Vision is involved in addressing all of the root causes of poverty and partnering with the communities we work with for them to uh, provide their own solutions to lift themselves out of out of poverty with along with our partnership to empower them. And so what we were just talking about, clean water is the is the foundation that's the that's the very basics without clean water nothing else that's good can exist water is life period but once you have clean water then other things have to come into play you can have lots of well hydrated well hydrated poor people and we don't want that no. we want people to be empowered to be able to provide for themselves for their own families to flourish and to thrive right. the idea of, of of don't just give someone a fish teach them how to fish exactly yeah so thrive is an acronym, Transforming Household Resilience in Vulnerable Environments. And what that is, is an economic empowerment part of the work that actually partners with the families we're working with to help them generate life-sustaining, life-flourishing incomes to provide for themselves and for their, for their children. So their children can go to school, get an education, and grow up and flourish into the, uh, become the people that God created them to be. What's it look like? Like like boots on the ground, what's the Thrive Program actually yeah. doing? So I saw this firsthand in April in Honduras. Uh, so we were in a community. This was in the Copan district. Uh, some of the listeners that maybe smoke a cigar probably will 
will know that name. Uh, tobacco is one of the main crops. Okay. Uh, a lot of corn, a lot of maize. So this particular community, we had been in about 10 years. So they've got clean water. They're working on you know health and now thrive. So what really happens is uh, the story that I heard was these farmers talked about, well, we had a lot of resistance to do what World Vision wanted us to do. And then, well, what is that? Well, our fathers and our grandfathers, it was, we grow corn, Mm -hmm. maize, we grow potatoes, that's all, you know, and you're talking about growing tomatoes and onions and peppers. Um, There's a lot of pressure within the family for somebody to divert to this new idea. And the, the concept is, well, if you, you know, had a better producing crops that you could then sell at market, and our Thrive program not only helps the farmers with better seeds, better fertilizers, but also helps with buying groups. So they're protected and not taken advantage of. Um, we were in this one farm, and most of the farms are pretty small, um, you know, an acre and a half or so. And this farm, they were growing tomatoes. But what was so interesting, Ben, is that, you know, I think of tomatoes growing in, you know, my garden. Yeah, I have a bunch of plants, right? Well, insects are a big deal. So they actually, World Vision taught them to screen it in. So it was really impressive. You actually walk into the door. You're in this, like, little 10 by 10 room, you close the door, then you go into the area where the tomatoes are. And these tomatoes were, they were taller than you. They were, and full of Roma, nice, beautiful, big tomatoes. All organic. All, yep. And the farmer, uh, one of the things he said is, he said, well, we tried, you know, we tried this new idea. It was tough because family pressure. We tried this idea with tomatoes on our own. And we were doing better. But then with the World Vision Thrive program, with better seeds, better fertilizing, being able to encase it, so insects, 10 times the amount. He says that he was getting 100 boxes a month was the top in the old style of farming. And he is then now getting 1,000 boxes so Jeez. 10 times and and keep in mind his his income already went up from going from corn and maize and beans and potatoes to tomatoes now it went tenfold yeah. up from there. and i'm assuming this isn't just so he could make like more pizza for his family that night like you guys are actually creating some kind of a way for them to then disperse this to the local community and profit from their tomato grow so you already built the next piece out. You put that two and two together that generally uh, the, uh, these, these families that live in these, these rural areas, in the small communities, there's a problem if you start exponentially multiplying your production because you're going you're gonna to flood, flood the market. So what World Vision does is help, first of all, like Mike said, galvanize these farmers from individual entities into what are called producer groups to come together that they subdivide. One group specializes in quality control. One group specializes in market pricing. One specializes in marketing. And then connecting them with larger markets, not only beyond their own communities, but within their country and then beyond their own countries, like World Vision uh, working with the coffee farmers in Honduras, we visited not just to sell coffee in Honduras, but to sell in the U.S., in Europe, in other places. And so helping to connect them to larger global markets. If you're in your 30s or anywhere beyond, you got to start eliminating senescent cells in your body. These are the so-called zombie cells that make you feel old before it's time to feel old. They linger in your body after their useful function, hence their name zombie cells, wasting energy and precious nutrition and leading to so many middle-aged symptoms like low energy, brain fog, slow workout recovery, and joint discomfort. But luckily, you can nuke these senescent cells. There are a bunch of different newly discovered plant-derived ingredients that when expertly combined can help to reduce senescent cells, and the folks at Neurohacker have cracked the code on putting them all together into a fantastic product called Qualia Senolytic. Qualia Senolytic. Now, this could be one of the biggest aging breakthroughs of the decade based on what we know about senescent cells. It could take years off how old you feel, 
in just months. And you only use it twice a month, six capsules twice a month. Super simple. I'm actually on my cycle right now. I just took six this morning. I'll take six tomorrow morning. Then I set it and forget it for a month, nuking my senescent cells and feeling younger in the process. So if you're sick of feeling old before your time, try, try Qualia Senolytic. Go to neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, S-E-N-O, neurohacker.com slash Ben Seno, backed by a 100-day money-back guarantee, and that code Ben Seno will give you an additional 15% off at neurohacker.com forward slash Ben Seno. I don't think it's any secret that I'm not a huge fan of big, clunky New Year's resolutions. Why? Because they usually rely on willpower, and willpower is a tool of your conscious mind that controls just like two to four percent of your daily actions your habits whether good or bad in fitness or nutrition or productivity and beyond they're all deeply ingrained and that creates an internal thermostat that keeps you stuck in your current situation well the good news is you're not alone i've worked with thousands of clients who were all trying the right things but felt stuck and realized their willpower was not what helped them get out of their scenario Instead, they needed direction, guidance, accountability, a plan, a program, and a big why. And I provide all of that with my revolutionary coaching programs. I have retooled the coaching programs. We have amazing options for you in our brand new elite programs from bengreenfieldlife.com. So you can join now and redefine your reality with a limited time offer of 40% off of your first month of coaching. Here's how. Go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash elite for a personalized coach set up perfectly for you to achieve any goal you want safely, quickly, and effectively. bengreenfieldlife.com forward slash E-L-I-T-E. And I'll see you on the inside. What about uh, like, like an economic system locally? Is there any type of education on, on banking, on financial management, anything like that? That comes with it. So from the very beginning, what um, the farmer Mark that Mike visited was already a few steps down the road. When we first start working with people that are in extreme poverty, they don't have the mindset that the three of us have. That let me ideate. What can I create? What need can I fill? It's their thinking that I'm a failure. Life is such nothing but struggle. I don't matter. And so it's they don't strive to succeed because they're just focusing on, 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 on living today. What World Vision does, the first thing is, is help them. It's called Biblical Empowered Worldview Training, which helps them reorient their, their worldview into not who does their situation say that they are, but who does God say they are, and help them recognize that they are love. They have a, a loving creator who has endowed them with potential, capability, talent. Yeah, that, that's interesting that you bring that up, that that whole idea of self-worth and also contribution based on what I think you called like a like a biblical worldview or a scriptural worldview because I just read this fascinating book. It's called. It would, I might butcher the title here, but it's something like the greatest book in the world. And this whole book is about how one of the foundations of science, of technology, and of cultural and societal development was the spread of Christianity and the widespread translation and availability of the Bible because of some of these core principles that it teaches along with the idea that we were created in the image of a creator and so we are driven to create and there's almost like like a permissive nature in terms of creation, uh, taking care of the planet, helping out your neighbor, etc. So you guys are actually kind of taking that concept of a biblical worldview, teaching self-worth and then empowerment and using that as a foundation to build these societies. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's both from a Christian focus, but it's also that going from a very closed mindset to an open mindset. So in extreme poverty, you know, wherever, it could be here in the United States, you know, the people are most generally it's generational poverty. Yeah. They're living the same lives that their parents lived and their grandparents lived. And that's yeah. their only perspective. You know, they've got the blinders on, they're not seeing Randy said earlier that they just don't think that way because yeah. they don't have a perspective. So they're yeah. very closed-minded. So this not only gives them the biblical views of being able to be you know, Christ-like, but also gives them the what's possible. 
What if you open your mind to these possibilities and these are not dreams, they're all baked in facts and statistics and stories that can be told to be able to get them to trust us. And that's a, that's a big part of our area community development is we're in our average community in the developing world about 15 years. So we're developing trust with that local community, that village, maybe 200 people, maybe 2,000 people. But we're developing trust with the local leaders, the government that controls that. You know, it might be a mayor, but it might be a larger government that, that funds into the country's government. So all of that giving them you know, statistics, giving them facts that they know that this is real, that other people are living this way, you also can. You can benefit from this and do it in a Christ-like manner. What are the girls and the women doing that no longer have to carry water? Have you guys observed like what they wind up doing in the community once they're not having to you know, huff 6K multiple times a day? <laughs> women are the most amazing entrepreneurs and they take more risks on behalf of the, on behalf of the family because they're the ones that are, are tasked with raising up the children. And this, the, the biblical empowered worldview brings husbands and wives together as they see themselves as how God sees them to be to each other, not having been forced together through broken societal norms. And by the way, World Vision never imposes Western norms on other uh, cultures. World Vision's focus is to help bring out the best norms of that culture for itself. Right. And so when you empower women, you, it, it's, it's statistically proven that as women advance in a culture, so the country goes. Yeah. So the country advances. So women become the, the greatest entrepreneurs and, and income generators, and the, their husbands see them as, wow, you are an equal partner in this. It's not all on me. You're not a possession that's an extra mouth to feed, you're actually a partner. And they see themselves as God sees themselves to be to each other. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't don't really grasp the, the concept that a core part of Christianity is love and sacrifice, particularly directed from the man towards the woman, because that's that's reflective from a from a biblical standpoint of the way that Christ sacrificed himself for the church and and you know all all the people on the planet that God loves. And it, it, it also reminds me of something else that I read in that book, the greatest book in the world. And I realize this is a controversial topic, but, it, but I'm thinking about it. And that is the fact that when we see humans who are driven to create and to love their fellow human being, that technology progresses at a more rapid pace because slavery is taken off of a pedestal and abuse, misuse, or objectification of a fellow human being is no longer something that's acceptable. So you have to figure out a better way to get water than to send someone or order someone or abuse someone to have to go to get that water for you, hence the digging of wells or the development of technology or you know, a, a printing press or a, a uh, you know, what, what do you call the... Uh, the the, the cotton gin, you know, those, those type of things progressed because partially of a desire to see slavery no longer exist. And so this kind of reminds me of that same type of mindset. Yeah, very much, very much so. This biblical empowered worldview, the beautiful thing is that, um, so World Vision works with external academic monitoring and evaluating partners. So everything World Vision does with, whether it's clean water, we're working with the University of North Carolina Water Institute to uh, monitor and evaluate how this, the efficacy of the work. In our Thrive work, working with other uh, academic outside partners to monitor and evaluate, one is, is uh, very prominent in the global development realm called Tango. And they actually did a five-year longitudinal study of World Vision's Thrive work in Tanzania. This, that's the country where it originated about 10 years ago, or a little bit more than 10 years ago, Tango came in. They're an outside um, global development organization monitoring partner, and they did a five-year longitudinal study, and they were astounded that the incomes of these farmers over a five-year span, on average, increased tenfold. 
That was just the five years they, they measured, tenfold income. So taking them from struggle and desperation into flourishing and thriving. But Tango, being a secular organization, not Christian, they said the special sauce of World Vision's approach is this biblical empowered worldview curriculum training. It's a multi-day, very intensive approach. It's not just kind of giving a message. You know, it's, it's a very intensive workshop approach. That was a special sauce, and that is what they are sharing with their other secular organizational partners. Is there a way for people to like see that training? Like, is it a curriculum that that someone could access if they were to call up World Vision and get like the workbook or whatever that you guys use for yeah. that? I could. I have a book I can send you. Is kind of the what we would call maybe the cliff notes of that. And I yeah. could, and if you, we could start there. I could send yeah. that to you. That's cool. And then, by the way, I'll take show notes and put them all at bengreenfieldlife.com/slash/worldvisionpodcast. So if people go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash worldvisionpodcast, I'll put some downloadable assets, some information about you or your corporation getting involved in the walk for water, et cetera. But these wells, when you raise the money for the wells, are the villages actually digging those and building them themselves? Because it seems like they'd have to have some kind of like pre-existing knowledge about how to do that. Right. So we have what we call... A wash team. So we love acronyms at World Vision, right? Yeah, I've <laughs> so that. water stands. You know, wash stands for water. W A S for sanitation and H for hygiene. Okay. So when um, we deem you know a community that we're going to go into and provide clean water, then you know basically a lot happens with engineering. So you have to find a place if it's going to be a deep borehole well, uh-huh. you've got to engineer, you've got to study, you've got to find a place that's going to be sustainable to be able to serve a number of gallons of water forever to be able to serve that community. Average communities about 300 or a little less. So they're looking for the capacity of that of that well. Once that is actually determined, which takes months um, and, and actually was you know backlogged because of COVID in the times when we were in COVID, the engineers couldn't get out in the field to do that. So you know we're kind of trying to catch up with that. Even though we've maintained doing wells, mm-hmm. um, it's you know we're trying to catch up right now. So you go out, you find that spot that's going to be sustainable. Then you know the engineers uh, and the drilling apparatus comes in and starts drilling that you know that well. Many times that well is a, uh, a source of, of the water and is transferred either through PVC pipes or through solar. We have a, a partnership with solar uh, company to be able to have solar energy to be able to pump that water into a holding tank. Um, that then is branched off into the community, ideally piped into the schools and homes of that community, but at least there's that, that water source. So a lot of that work that community is helping us with. They're out there digging those trenches that are you know, a couple feet deep so that it's, you know, if it's in a colder climate, there's the permafrost. If it's in a climate that, you know, it's got cattle, you don't want cattle crushing it. So the community is actually helping day one starting to dig trenches. They're helping along with that. Who keeps the wells in like working order? Because somebody's obviously got to maintain these. I, I have no clue how long yeah. a well lasts. Like, I, I have a well, but I just drink from it. I don't actually go out there with a wrench and, yeah. and do my own well upkeep. That's where it sets World Vision apart. What we have, we call it a water committee. So it's community-based members. And think of any community that could be, you know, it could be uh, the local Rotary Club or your local church. So you basically have a president. You have a vice president. You have a treasurer. You usually have a technical expert, otherwise known as a plumber. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and this group of people are voted in by the community. Uh, and they basically are the water community, the water committee that ensures that the water is going to continue to work. And how that, how that happens is that we do, the community does pay a very nominal fee for the use of the water. And that is really important because and not not let me just jump not to World Vision. World Vision right. is not a part of that. It's their own. Fund. It's their own fund that that treasure for that community yeah. in that specific area holds onto, and the reason why that's so important, Ben, is because 
you know, if it's a deep borehole well, you got a shaft there, you know, if it's, if it's a mechanical well, you're pumping it. If it's a solar one, it's staying at a better, you know, level. So there's not as much wear, but there's still gonna be wear. That shaft is going to wear out. It's just a matter of when. So as the plumber is basically adding, you know, a chlorine tablet to that tank, He's inspecting, he or she is inspecting that tank to make sure it doesn't have any leaks. They actually dump out the water, you know, periodically, clean it inside, make sure that it's sanitized and refill it. So he's monitoring all that. He, he or she will know, that plumber will know when that wear is starting to get to, let's say, you know, 80% of its livelihood. At that point, they're ordering a new shaft because they have the resources. They already have the money to do that and then that comes in and it's replaced. Conversely, other organizations, they don't have those, those community groups. So the same thing happens, the well breaks, there's no more water, and they're like, okay, well we gotta fundraise, let's and do that. And yeah. that actually was borne out by, uh, those are the Conrad M. Hilton Foundation, they're a massive funder of water work across the world with World Vision and other organizations. They wanted to see, they wanted to check on the efficacy of, of how long these wells are and water points are lasting. Are they ongoing or do they stop at some point? So they, they funded a study by University of North Carolina, it was about seven years ago, and they, they did uh, just hundreds of thousands of water points across Africa, World Vision and other organizations. The bad news, was that within 20 years, half of those water points were no longer working. <clears throat> the good news is, is that with World Vision's water point, 80% were still functioning at a very high level after 20 years. So they were scratching their head, why is there such a big difference between yeah. World Vision and others? And that's what Mike was referring to, because the communities have ownership, they maintain them. They know how to repair when that's needed. But what's even more fun is we visited a, a community that had a pipe network. So there were from this large, you know, 50,000 gallon holding tank with, with pipes going out to different areas. When we returned, the community had taken it upon themselves to add another pipe from that to another part of the community. So they're already oh, thinking wow. expansion, yeah. right? Yeah. They're, they're not in poverty survive for today mindset they're in yeah. the how are we expanding that, that biblically empowered mindset baby yeah. <laughs> um, so so how much do you have to worry about guarding these wells or even like the you know the, the tomato house or whatever i would imagine like some neighboring village here's you know somebody else got a bunch of water and some really big luscious tomatoes like is there an issue with crime and, and a need for security when you when you're incorporating initiatives like this into a community and again, the community owns this, so they're going to be very protective because water is life, and that's changed the trajectory of their lives. So they're very protective about that. But if you back up another, you know, a couple steps, you know, it's not always a well. Sometimes it's rain catchment or it's a spring. Mm -hmm. So the same thing will happen: is you don't want cattle, you don't want animals coming in and contaminating that water source. So one of the first things that happens is fencing goes up. Okay. So fencing goes up to keep yeah. the predators out, the cattle, the wildlife, you know, out of that for contaminating that water source. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But on top of that, think of a community. So World Vision works. We call it an area program. Mike mentioned about 15-year program. Think of an area about the size of a county in an American state, in U.S. state here. And there can be dozens of villages in that. So it's not like we're just going into one village and working with them and there's all these other villages around them. It's working with a whole, within a whole county with, with dozens of village clusters. So there could be anywhere from 10,000 to 100,000 people within that county that are all working with World Vision in addition to local law enforcement, regional national government and so everybody has in partnership not just on the lowest level but across the board okay all right got and that's it. how you address these questions yeah how often do you guys go back there you know i've i've had the privilege to i've only went to honduras i'm i can't wait to go to africa maybe that's on the horizon but i've been to honduras five times um 
it's all been a focus of water and corporate donors that are passionate like you are about you know making a significant difference. You mean you bring people there? Yes. Really? So if somebody's listening to the podcast, could they connect with one of you guys and actually be able to go on one of these trips if they wanted to? Yeah, that would be a process, right? Yeah. Because uh, the short answer is absolutely. The, the, the process is that, so where, where Mike works with our, our corporate partners, I work with the people behind the corporate, the families that own the businesses, the companies, and so I work on the more personal. You go on the barefoot hike with people. Exactly, yeah. I go on the barefoot hike, and then so I've been to you know different places around the world with around clean water, Thrive that we talked about, child protection you asked about. It could be in in Honduras, like we've been together. It could be in Southeast Asia. It could be in East Africa. It could be in the Middle East. It could be in Lebanon and Jordan around crises around refugees and displaced people. So it's wherever the, the donor partners I'm serving want to see the opportunity to invest and to see the impact that they're making. Yeah. The, the company that I have um, had the privilege to go with, it's the same company for, you know, for five years. They really want to, like you, they want to drive the culture of giving back. And they have programs that in their store, certain, like the Spiritual Disciplines Journal, certain percentage of that goes to an initiative. And we tied that with Christian discipleship because that made the most sense. In their stores, they're selling a product and they're providing clean water. But they wanted that to be a part of the story of the employees and, and, a, and also a differentiator that why would you work for that company versus their competitor? Well, this is one example, is we believe in giving back. You know, they do a really cool idea, it's a incentive trip. They, they started with the presidents of the company and now you know, the leadership, we are, we're down to like the regional managers and the couple get to go on the trip and the rest of them have to earn their way. So they do different incentives during a course of a period of time and the individuals that rise to the highest level get the opportunity to go out and experience this. And many of them have never seen poverty. They, you know, they've seen homeless, yeah. you know, but they haven't experienced poverty. They certainly haven't experienced extreme poverty and they don't understand that you know, there's so much complexity to creating a, a situation where people can then be able to live their best lives and be able to be, you know, uh, you know, be be in a position where they can live their God-given potential. I've talked a lot on my podcast recently in the past few months about the importance of rites of passages for children to go on, and and part of that is awareness, you know, social awareness and an awareness of of what other people in the world are experiencing. Do people ever bring their families or to, or like send their kids off to volunteer or to join you guys in one of your trips or anything like that? It's kind of a selfish question because I'm thinking about putting one of my sons on an airplane with you. Yes to the first question. Uh, They do bring their families. We encourage the multi-generational family uh, experience, but it's, it's different from a volunteerism type of a, of a trip. These trips are, we call vision trips. So instead of being concerned about doing something, Mm -hmm. like Rich Stearns, the author of the book, he says the last thing the developing world needs is cheap labor. (laughs) They they already have that. It's it's more about instead of doing something, it's meeting the people, getting to know their stories, getting to experience just a a taste of what their life must be like Mm -hmm. and taking it to heart and, and bringing the ministry of presence to them, of your presence. Yeah. So you're not just like swinging a hammer, like you're back there having conversations and connecting yes. with people and showing them love and, and getting to know them. Finding out what are your hopes, your dreams, yeah. what are your challenges, your struggles, and connecting with them yeah. in, relationally. Yeah. And these are, these are trips, you know, three, four, five days. It's not, you know, so not a massive time investment, uh-huh. right? But it's very, there's a lot to take in. Yeah. I remember in April, we were at a community that had a piped, it was a spring water catchment um, system in Honduras into a 10,000 gallon tank, and then it was then diverted into the homes. So the homes actually had um, you know, water sources. They didn't all have, they still had latrines, they all didn't have toilets in there. That was kind of the next step. But we asked, you know, one of the ladies, we asked, you know, well, what's, you know, 
you've got clean water now. You're really, you know, you're you're thriving. You're really, you know, doing well compared to what you were in the you know, previous, you know, just a couple of years ago. And they had only got clean water in December of that previous year. So they experienced it for four months when we were there. And we asked the ladies, well, what's next? She goes, she goes, my vision is I want to be able to have a store where we have healthcare supplies because we don't have that. And I'm like, what do you mean by that? She says, well, you know, be, be able to have aspirin and, you know, bandages and basic things that, you know, if somebody gets hurt or somebody gets sick, they can go to this store and, you know, have somebody also, you know, making money because it's a business. You know, from that, so they're they're making a income, but being able to serve that community, and being able to is uh, in uh, Latanda. I don't know if I said that right in Capon, and they wanted to serve that community of about 260 people and be able to provide that because the the place they had to go to get that was about you know if you go by you know vehicle was about two hours away. Oh, if you wow. go by foot, yeah, you know, yeah, a, a full day. Wow. And that's a really good point on the, on the water point that we neglected to mention earlier. It's not just residential. The three areas of water that World Vision focuses is, of course, residential for your family, your home, your dwelling. It's also schools and health clinics. Schools having just not only clean water, but latrines that are dignified, that are gender specific, that are attract uh, so that girls that are on their cycles can go throughout the month, y- year-round. They're not going to miss a week of school every year. I mean, every month because of their yeah. cycle, yeah. out of shame. And so it's, teaching the, it's providing clean water, sanitation, hygiene at the school levels and at the health clinics. Imagine health clinics that don't even have access to clean water, where you're going to give birth, yeah. where you're going to try oh, to heal from an illness. Yeah. It's a death clinic, not a health. And so in the last four years alone, World Vision outfitted health clinics with water, sanitation, hygiene, dis, um, uh, hazardous waste disposals, all these things, uh, medical supplies, over 2,000 health centers in the last four years. And over the next, uh, next three years, the goal is 3,000 more. Mm. Wow. Can I add, you know, yeah. in the schools, so we have this great partnership I think it's been about five years with Sesame Street. And what we have is we call it the wash-up program. So imagine a mat. You know, it's Uh like a a twister mat. It's about the same size. And it's got those little bullets on there. Remember the little yellow and red and green? Well, these have Sesame Street characters on them. And each character is a good um, hygiene technique training. So it's... One is brushing your teeth. One is combing your hair. One is washing your face. One is taking your trash and putting it into a garbage can, not on the ground. And the concept is really cool because in the school, they're teaching kids good hygiene practices. Yeah. And, the, and what's happening is those kids then are then going out and sharing that knowledge that they have with their parents. Wow. So they, yeah. the parents are then getting a benefit from this wash-up program. And it's yeah. done really fun. They have um, a different character, Raya. She's, uh, She's a Muppet that Sesame Street created yeah. for World Vision yeah. and teaches the, the kids. I, think I saw her in one of your... She like talks a, about like poop. Purple yeah. Muppet, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah I think yeah. I saw her, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was looking out in our audience because we're doing this as a live podcast right after we finish this Walk for Water to make sure my wife's not listening in because she's going to order one of those mats for my bathroom if she is here. <laughs> Probably. Oh, crap, she is. All right, yeah, teach me how to put my trash away and wash my face properly. Um, so if people are listening in and, again, they want to donate, they want to organize a Walk for Water, they want to get involved, if I were to put, like, a link at bengreenfieldlife.com slash world vision podcast is it like a place that they can go to to connect with one of you guys or to fill out a form or something like that for fifty dollars so think about that's less than the amount that you're going to spend to fill up your gas tank yeah the next time you go probably multiples of that but less than that you are then able to join in join in with ben greenfield life in this vision of being able to provide clean water for one person for life and think about 
how does that change? What does that changes everything? It changes the trajectory of that person forever. And you're, you're, really you're able to do that. Not, once you take into account, the, like if you're saving a woman or a girl right. who would be able to provide better for their family or be there for their family, it's, it's exponential change, right. really. Exponential. Right. And hopefully, not just monetarily, but we encourage through the website, there's all kinds of information about how to plan out a 3.75 mile walk around your neighborhood or around your place of business uh, during a lunch hour, let's say, with your colleagues or with your family and your neighbors and your friends. But it also talks about how do you expand that? You know, maybe you pick a weekend a month away from now and you're going to all get together and you create your own subset of the Ben Greenfield Life yeah. site and you, you have 40 people. And yeah. you walk on a Saturday morning, this 3.75 miles together, you know, with this common goal. Now we've provided clean water to 40 people for life. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So, so bengreenfieldlife.com slash water. That's where a lot of the walk for water information is. Then I'll, I'll put everything else at bengreenfieldlife.com slash world vision podcast. You guys also need to partner with like a massage gun company for all the sore. Right. I like 500 <laughs> yards into that walk and realize I probably filled up my buckets too big. Yeah. A little, 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 little bit of ego there at the creek side, yeah. but I, I was definitely feeling it by the time we got back. So I so felt it out a way to get grip. some therapy tools you know, worked into that too. Mine yeah. was my grip and yeah. right through here. And yeah. boy, yeah. Yeah. yeah for him, so oh. I, it definitely got me thinking about why the heck people would have to walk that far for water multiple times a day. And also pretty grateful for what you guys are doing. So thank you so much for what you do. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for making this a reality for, for our team this weekend to go on the walk for water and for making this a reality for a lot of other people to get involved with too. Well, it's a privilege to be able to do this and to be able to do this work. You know, we as World Vision serve all people. You know, we are, we talked a little earlier about, you know, the biblical worldview. Well, we are motivated by Christ to do this work. Yeah. You know, and to do it with passion and to do it with energy. But we're just so thankful you have been, you know, with the company have been, you know, we've funded projects in in Ukraine. We've done the gift catalog and done yeah. multipliers of so many different projects. And clean water has been kind of the the highlight, right? I know. It is, it is kind of crazy. I, was looking at, I think it was last year. I was looking at our, our year report. I forget what our what our giving total was for World Vision, the amount of of money that we raised but i just thought it was super cool you know for for me to be whatever you know at home you know doing pull-ups with my shirt off for an instagram post or like doing some podcast about you know pmf biohacking or whatever and even though really that's it's it's mostly you know focused on helping people get healthier and more fit that some of the revenue that that's generating is going directly towards helping people in a lot bigger way than just like you know getting a six pack abs or they're biohacking a few years onto their life or something like that. So, so this is really big and it makes me super grateful yeah. to be able to have an outlet to help a lot of people in a much bigger way. So thank you guys. Can thank I add you. just one point on that? So yeah. with the, the $50, it goes to our global wash fund okay. and that also has leverage with it. So that one, every dollar that goes into global wash has a multiplier effect of five times. So it becomes $5 impact. $1 becomes $5. Right. How that happens is there's mainly three buckets of, you know, not to pun water, but three buckets of funding. Yeah. So it's corporate and, and government grants. Um, and it's also some of the child sponsorship dollars because we know bring life to its fullness in a community all starts with, you know, the clean water. So it's corporate, government, and child sponsorship that allows that leverage. So so that fifty dollars becomes two hundred and fifty dollars worth of impact. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. You guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Ben. Thanks Great for having our partnership. Thanks for coming on. Well this is pretty cool. Just put the finishing touches on a luxury VIP retreat in the Swiss mountains. So you may have seen a little bit of rumblings about this on social media, but the beautiful Six Senses Retreat, all-inclusive luxury locale in beautiful Crans, Montana, Switzerland, has graciously allowed me to bring a maximum of up to 10 folks, and this could be individuals, couples, families, into a transformative experience there where I'm going to lead breathwork, hikes, workouts. You'll get hands-on foraging adventures with nature's freshest ingredients in there. 
cooking class locale there, you're going to get a chance to do amazing spa treatments, a meticulously curated program. You'll get to meet my wife and my sons who will be there. Again, families are welcome. You can bring one or two or three kids. You can make it a couple's retreat. If you want to go solo, you can. There's a limited number of rooms where we're prioritizing couples and families. But again, if you want to get in, this thing is coming up around the corner, April 17th through the 21st, 2024. So it will be all-inclusive. You'll want to fly into Geneva, Switzerland, assuming you want to get into the closest airport. I've already got our flights. Uh, you'll want to mic your calendar for April 17th through the 21st. And here's how to get in. You go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. That's bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24. And again, it's going to be incredible all the way down to like evening sing-alongs and stargazing and yoga and meditation. And again, the spa there is incredible. Six Senses is known for having incredible retreats around the world, but this one in Switzerland is supposed to be one of the best. I can't wait. I led a retreat in Portugal last year and people just said it was the most amazing experience of their lives. This one will be just as good, if not better. So go to bengreenfieldlife.com slash six senses 24 and you can get in on this retreat that's coming up right around the corner april 17th through the 21st i hope to see you there more than ever these days people like you and me need a fresh entertaining well-informed and often outside the box approach to discovering the health and happiness and hope that we all crave so i hope i've been able to do that for you on this episode today and if you liked it or if you love what I'm up to, then please leave me a review on your preferred podcast listening channel, wherever that might be. And just find the Ben Greenfield Life episode. Say something nice. Thanks so much. It means a lot. In compliance with the FTC guidelines, please assume the following about links and posts on this site. Most of the links going to products are often affiliate links, of which I receive a small commission from sales of certain items. But the price is the same for you, and sometimes I even get to share a unique and somewhat significant discount with you. In some cases, I might also be an investor in a company I mention. I'm the founder, for example, of Keon LLC, the makers of Keon branded supplements and products, which I talk about quite a bit. Regardless of the relationship, if I post or talk about an affiliate link to a product, it is indeed something I personally use, support, and with full authenticity and transparency, recommend in good conscience. I personally vet each and every product that I talk about. My first priority is providing valuable information and resources to you that help you positively optimize your mind, body, and spirit. And I'll only ever link to products or resources, affiliate or otherwise, that fit within this purpose. So there's your fancy legal disclaimer.